Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominance of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And uh, we talk about Georgia Southern Athletics. Uh, and this is the second episode of the 2021 football season. We're recording on Tuesday. So uh, we're talking about the Florida Atlantic Owls hosting the Georgia Southern Eagles this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. down in Boca Raton. And my guest today, my special guest, is Brett Schwecky from the Sun Sentinel down there. Uh, and Brett, how long have you been with the Sun Sentinel? Man, it's it's like actually it's funny. It's almost been about three years now, like right around that cusp. So yeah, three years now. Been dabbling with high school and kind of get into the college scene now a little bit. Okay, and uh, you've been covering a Florida Atlantic since the beginning of camp, all right? I guess right around that time. Mm-hmm, yeah, beginning at camp, doing the preview and everything. The uh, Sun Sentinels last guy, Kobe Price, uh, he got onto bigger and better things. So I'm kind of uh, taking reins for I guess the temporary time. Okay, yeah, Kobe was on the show last year. Did a great job, and I know you'll do a great job uh, tonight. Today, uh, well, well, let's get right at it. Uh, for people that have uh, are, want to talk about the Florida Atlantic Owls, they uh, the coaches, head coach is Willie Taggart, who's very well known around college football. And uh, what what were the expectations for this season coming in? Before we get to how they did last Saturday, what were what were people expecting? Yeah, so I think expectations. I mean, you know, last year was just the most awkward year ever with COVID. Hmm. So there wasn't a lot for people to reflect on last year, but I mean, in 2019, I mean, the uh, FAU Owls, Conference USA champions, I mean, that was kind of the stigma around the program. I mean, I know Lane Kiffin was the coach at the time, but the whole kind of uh, mindset was that hopefully Taggart can kind of uh, continue the pro- uh, process and the program. I mean, like you mentioned, Taggart's an incredibly well-known coach, uh, uh, South Florida, then goes to Florida State, so making his rounds around Florida. Great recruiter, and I think just as a whole, I mean, not trying to compare FAU to FIU, but you even saw it with Butch Davis and a lot of programs around it. Like just the pandemic had such a weird thing on the entire team. So um, just, I think this is kind of like, in my opinion, Taggart's first season Mm because COVID was just such a kind of a mulligan in a way. So Mm -hmm. this is the high expectations and, you know, they got some graduate transfers that were awesome, a big key addition. So I think high expectations for uh, FAU so far. Yeah, and and for people that remember, they were they played Georgia Southern last season under Taggart, and like you said, it was a lot of uh, curveballs in there. That's a baseball term, but uh, they were supposed to play early in the season in Statesboro. Uh, there was a COVID outbreak on the team on Florida Atlantic, and they had to postpone the game kind of like on the Friday, I believe, before the Saturday game. So that was a big adjustment, and they replay or they were able to play the game in Statesboro December fifth of last season uh georgia southern won 20 to 3 it was kind of an interesting 20 to 3 which we can get into a little bit but basically georgia southern played uh, very well 
Uh, Florida Atlantic made some mistakes, had some turnovers. They had two interceptions and two fumbles lost out of two. Uh, George Southern didn't have any turnovers. And um, kept uh, Florida Atlantic off the board, even though they were able to put up some pretty good passing numbers. And they had a different quarterback situation, we should say, back then. Um, but it wasn't uh, Florida Atlantic uh, at their best. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty decisive win, which Georgia Southern didn't have – they had a lot of wins, but they didn't have that many that were clear cut into the last uh, last play or the last series. So, Florida Atlantic was five and four last year. Uh, started, I guess they won five out of their first six games or something like that, right? And then uh, they lost to Georgia Southern to start a, a, a short losing streak going into the bowl game, the, the uh, Montgomery Bowl, I believe. So mm-hmm. against Memphis. So. Uh, who is their quarterback now? They have a different quarterback, and he's kind of a dangerous guy. And I'm, I'm quoting Chad Lunsford, the Georgia Southern coach, who said he's a dual-threat quarterback, and those guys give people trouble. So what what about Nikosi Perry? Yeah, I mean, Nikosi Perry, I mean, for those that may remember him, he was the former Miami Hurricanes quarterback not too long ago when he was with Jaron Williams' uh, controversy and everything. Um, but, you know, Nikosi brings a lot of experience. I mean, he spends a lot of time with Miami. I mean, he is a dual threat guy to an extent, not super kill you with his legs, but smart guy. I mean, even when he was playing his first game, uh, I mean, last this week against uh, the Gators, I mean, very poised. I mean, nine, 19 of 33 passing. I mean, uh, 261 yards, a touchdown. I mean, the offense as a whole, I mean, when you're talking to Taggart, uh, he mentioned how sloppy everything was on offense. And that was the like the big deter in that game. The defense played well. I mean, to hold uh, the Gators only 14 points in the first half. I mean, that's uh, that's incredible. I mean, you're doing you're doing something right. Right. Now, the final score of that game, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was 35 to 14. Yes, sir. And uh, it was 14 nothing at halftime, like you mentioned. And uh, Florida uh, scored and and uh, Florida Atlantic scored two touchdowns, two of the three not the last three scores of the game to to get on the board. Uh, what was that game? Uh, yeah, I don't know what the spread was, but Florida at home to open the season, probably a heavy favorite. Yeah, the Gators were definitely a heavy favorite. I mean, you're talking a big program. Like, they're ranked and everything like that. And as well as expectations are going around for Conference USA hopes, I mean, the the hopes of taking down a top 25 school, I mean, that's just a little bit exceeding expectation. That's just a little too much, in my opinion. So, so uh, Florida won. Florida won clearly, but – did, did Florida Atlanta take something from that, like, hey, we can play with these guys, or hey, we've got a lot of work to do, or maybe both of that? I think, uh, like you mentioned at the last thing, uh, a little bit of both. I think you could look at it with the positive. This defense played well, and we kind of knew that was going to be the cornerstone of this team coming in. I mean, forcing two interceptions against the Gators. I know it's Emory Jones. He's not Kyle Trask from last year, mm-hmm. but to still turn over the ball, you're still doing something good. The offensive just you were taking so long to get something together. I mean, when you're not giving anything going, I mean, you're turning over the ball, like Tiger was mentioning it too. You're lining up in the wrong areas. You're making uh, mental mistakes that shouldn't be made. I mean, that's just going to kill you. So you take at it with a positive mindset, but then at the same time, take it with a grain of salt saying, we need to make a lot of improvements on the offensive side of the ball. And that's something that Tiger's definitely got to look at. Yeah. The uh, you say Nikosi Perry, six um, four, I think six four one ninety eight is he's listed. So he's a tall guy, and like you said, very experienced. Uh, had a good career in Miami. In fact, I guess it was the Cheez It Bowl. He played very well, kind of as a swan song. Uh, just saying Cheez It Bowl is kind of funny to me. <laughs> it's very literal when you think about it, because a bowl of Cheez Its, I'm sure a lot of us have had those uh, more than once. 
So, <laughs> and the trophy, uh, you got to imagine, is it like a bowl of Cheez-Its on like a stand and everything? Is that what yeah, we're yeah. looking for the trophy? And maybe a football-shaped bowl. Let's go all the way with this. <laughs> <laughs> so he, but he, anyway, what, what, he's a graduate student, so he was free to, to move and, and play right away. Did, did, did he have a, any kind of issue with Miami that you know of, or was he just looking for a fresh start in Florida Atlantic is not very far down the road or up the road from uh, Coral Gables? Yeah, d- definitely just a fresh start. I mean, his entire time when he was at Miami, it was a quarterback controversy with James, uh, with Jaron Williams, rather. Uh, one game, Nikosi would start. One game, James Williams would start. It would go back and forth, and it was just con- and honestly kind of a toxic situation. I mean, Nikosi, he had shining moments when he was at Miami. Like you mentioned, the Cezit Bowl, he played very well. And if you actually kind of talk around with Hurricane fans, I mean – Jaron Williams, he's at US, USF now, and he's not even listed as the starting quarterback. I think he's third string. And then you see uh, Nikosi go down uh, to Florida Atlantic, and he's the starter. So there's something to be said in that, I believe, with some type of grain of salt. But, I mean, definitely. I mean, And then also Derek King. I mean, Derek King coming mm-hmm. in from Miami. There was no chance that uh, Nikosi was going to start over Derek yeah, King. Yeah, he, he's a superstar down there. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, NIL business going on, and a very uh, he's a Heisman candidate. So maybe uh, Nikosi Perry said, hey, look, I need a fresh start. Exactly. Uh, but, but but he, he not only is he a Division One quarterback, but he's, a, a like you said, a veteran Division One quarterback who's a dual threat, right? He can run, he can pass. And uh, this is this is going to be a challenge for any team. Uh, and Georgia Southern, uh, uh, we you know, it's hard to judge them based on one game. And they weren't playing. They were playing against the pocket passer at Gardner-Webb last week, Bailey Fisher. But uh, I think he took off maybe once on a, on a run. But uh, uh, they're gonna the defense is gonna have to prepare for that. What else uh, from the uh, the FAU Owls offensive point of view? What else should uh, Georgia Southern be looking for? Yeah, definitely Johnny Ford and Malcolm uh, and Malcolm Davidson, two running backs. Uh, uh, they both had about ten and nine carries each. Uh, Ford had a touchdown in the game. Um, it's definitely running back by committee because I mean even last year I mean you had James Charles who took majority of the carries was one of the leading rushers and now he's third on the depth chart it looks like after he only took two carries so very depthful I feel like at the running back position and I think if they're gonna try to you know compensate for their offensive woes I think leaning on the running game would definitely be a benefit for them as you know Nikosi's getting more comfortable with the um, the new offensive coordinator that came in everything like that so that's something to be said as well Michael Johnson the new offensive coordinator that's coming in so they have a new quarterback a proven quarterback. They've got fast running backs, and uh, any and and it's, I hear they have some big tight ends too. Yeah, big tight ends. Uh, good tight ends, good size. Uh, not Harrison Bryant types tight ends that are mm-hmm. uh, going to the or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely some good tight ends. Uh, receivers are pr- uh, very talented. I mean, you have Brandon Robinson who scored the touchdown uh, this past week. In my opinion, he's a big body type of wide receiver. That's kind of uh, connecting kind of early with Nikosi in this offense so far. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Florida Atlantic under, under Lane Kiffin, who's pretty well known too, as a, he, uh, they were, they were very dangerous. They had a great record. Like I said, I think they were 11 and three, two out of three years or something. They won the conference conference USA go to bowl games. Uh, Willie Tiger comes in uh, known as a, a builder of programs, whether they're small at his alma mater, uh, Western Kentucky or USF, uh, which has had its moments over the years. And then uh, he goes to, what, Oregon, which is a proven program, but I guess it had been down, and he makes the Ducks a winner again. And then I guess it all kind of fell apart in Florida State very quickly. What? Uh, just to recap, uh, uh, you're in the same state. I'm, I'm not that far from Tallahassee here. But to my recollection, 
Uh, Florida State is not used to losing with regularity uh, to teams that they regularly beat, especially. They could lose the big game to a Notre Dame like the other night in overtime, and they'll they'll probably live with that, but as a tough one. But uh, Willie Taggart just did, it was like it was a different Willie Taggart team, right? It was awful. It, it, not trying to be over-exaggerated or anything like that, but when Jimbo Fisher left, he goes to Texas A&M. I mean, right. you have Jameis Winston, Heisman, 2013 national champions, all this kind of uh, amazing highlights about the program, and then, you know, enter Willie Taggart, and it just really fell apart really quickly. And it deteriorated, and it, it was it's honestly been embarrassing for the Florida State fans over the last couple of years, just trying to get their footing back under the program. Right, and the other night was a big, a big game. Uh, I know we're we're taping on Tuesday, so it's been it'll be a couple days old, uh, more than a couple days, but a very exciting game. Uh, and there was a local kid. Not this, not anything to do with George Sun, but uh, Kalen Deloach was a is a linebacker at Florida State. I think recruited by Willie Taggart uh, to come to Florida State, and he was a superstar here at Islands High School, All American type. And he, I think, he led the team with eight tackles the other night. So uh, Florida State uh, is it looks like they're on their way back. From what uh, it's weird to it's uh, it might be weird. So Florida State's on the way back. Florida Atlantic, where Willie Taggart is now, seems to be in pretty good shape. I mean, I know they didn't beat Florida, but um, that wasn't anybody's expectation outside of maybe Boca Raton. So what what do you like about the? Uh, well, let's we'll talk about the defense first. What do you like about the defense? And there's a guy with a great name who people might remember. Uh, not so fondly from the last time Georgia Southern played, well, the only time Georgia Southern's played Florida Atlantic. Chase Lasseter, uh, the linebacker, is back, and he had, uh, I think it was uh, 15 tackles, including 11 solo tackles, just wrecked havoc uh, uh, all over the field for uh, for uh, Florida Atlantic against Georgia Southern. So they're definitely keeping an eye on this guy, Chase Lasseter. Great name for linebacker, Chase. <laughs> There's just certain football names that just go so well together. <laughs> yeah, or Chase Young for the Washington football team. Just uh, a guy that's always in pursuit of the ball carrier just fits, right? Definitely. No, and then parents knew something. They just knew. It's like when you see Dash and he's like the running back or something like that. They just sure. knew something was going on there. Yeah, and uh, I, the UGA uh, Bulldogs have a guy named Speed, so there you go. <laughs> DeAndre Swift back in the day. Yeah, like, DeAndre, not, back in the day, that was like two seasons ago. Okay. <laughs> now I'm feeling even older. Uh, but what do you, what do you, okay, so what does the defense bring? I think they, they have kind of an odd uh, strategy, uh, some odd schemes that they were talking about yesterday on, uh, on Statesboro. Uh, on Mondays, they have uh, a couple players and head coach Chad Lunsford talk about uh, the previous game and the game coming up, and they said that uh, uh, Florida Atlantic has kind of an odd, off-balance kind of line. Uh, they do some things. I guess they squeeze the linemen inside, kind of bottle up the inside more than some teams do in a in a three-four pack or four-three package. What what do you like about the defense there? Yeah, no, the defense is um, honestly what you're kind of mentioning. The strength is the, the front seven. The front seven is fantastic for FAU, like really able to keen in well. I mean, with the return of Kiki back to the team, we weren't really expecting him um, to be back at all, if we're being brutally honest. I mean, he was a playmaker for FAU for uh, two seasons. I mean, more than that, dating. And then to have him return to the talented front seven that they already have, I mean, there's a lot of high expectations and you have a great corner in Zion Gilbert, who's very experienced. He was on the conference USA watch list. So like I mentioned, the defense to hold UF to 14 points at the end of the first half. I mean, that was kind of a statement for them, like showing that we can kind of 
keep up with the big dogs to kind of an extent. And unfortunately, the offense was the shortcoming for that game. Sure. But the the defense's front seven is definitely something that needs to be looked at. And they're probably going to rely on it heavy. I mean, Taggart was all already mentioning, I mean, with Georgia Southern loving to run the ball as much as they did. I'm yeah, sure you guys, bring that up. Yeah. yeah, you guys rushed the ball over like 60 times or something like that uh, this past game. So the front seven is just going to be so important to set the tone, uh, make sure that they can uh, kind of just get out early and extent, uh, to an extent. Okay. I want to ask you more about what uh, Florida Atlantic's been saying about that Georgia Southern uh, triple option attack. Uh, but I'm going to take a pause here for a, a, a commercial message for the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Uh, so bear with me. We'll be back with our guest, Brett Schwecki of the Sun Sentinel, who covers the Florida Atlantic Owls. And uh, we'll be right back with Brett. But uh, right now I want to plug uh, the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Uh, you want to know the latest on Georgia, the Georgia Southern football team, uh, which high school teams are hot, which ones are not in the Coastal Empire. How about uh, the Savannah State Tigers that they uh, got started last weekend against Valdosta State. They have a home game this weekend against Livingstone, uh, one of the three-game homestands. So we'll be talking about, I'll be writing about Savannah State this week. So we'll have all that and more, including news, features, and opinion columns. And if you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. You can get a full access to all of our digital content. Forget this, $1 a month for the next six months. That's practically giving it away. $1 a month you can work out the math one dollar a month for six one dollar a month for six months or actually uh, just it may even be right now for with the holiday like it might be one dollar for six months so check out the specials go to savannahnow.com subscribe now and sign up savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and see what the uh, the, the rate is today uh, it's going to be a very good rate uh, we appreciate it, all, of all of our readers and uh, thanks for your support and now let's go back to the show Okay, we're uh, we're back with Brett Schwecki of the Sun Sentinel, who covers the Florida Atlantic Owls. They're this week's uh, opponent for the Georgia Southern Eagles, 3:30 p.m. in Boca Raton at FAU Stadium. How come they don't have a, a fancy name for that stadium yet, Brett? <laughs> you got to know all the answers when I throw questions at you like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in South Florida, we love making names for everything, and it's now the FTX Arena for where the Heat plays. No longer the American Airlines Arena, and if you chronicalize the Dolphin Stadium, it's been Joe Robbie to pro player to Dolphin, Hard Rock, or Hard Rock, Land Shark, Sun Life. So I, you, okay. I, I have no answer for that. You sound like a local. So I'm going to show my age uh, in addition to all the video here. I covered the Dolphins, uh, just their home games, uh, when I worked in South Florida way back in the 80s. And I covered their first uh, couple seasons at what was Joe Robbie Stadium. Joe Robbie, I think, was still alive back then. He was the longtime owner of the, the Miami Dolphins, I believe. And uh, I was there for opening game or uh, certainly a few home games. Dan Marino was the quarterback. Uh, people may know him from, from uh, now broadcasting or commercials, maybe for Haynes, but he was uh, <laughs> quite a Hall of Fame quarterback. So slowly now, Joe Robbie Stadium, which is a nice honor for the uh, longtime Dolphins. And the Dolphins are one of the, uh, the big-time su successful franchises in the NFL history. What, what, what did it go? I, people, I care more, maybe more than everybody else here. Went from Joe Robbie to was it Landshark? It pro was player, uh, it was pro player, and then it was just Dolphin Stadium at one point. Okay, kind of a and, kind of a bridge to something else. Yeah, and then it went to all these commercialized names to Landshark, which was awful. Sun Life, which was <laughs> Wait, even isn't Landshark a beer though? Yeah, the Jimmy Buffett beer or whatever. Just 
why, like land shark? Why, why, we're the dolphins. Why are we slaying sharks? And then sun life. Okay, was, so you're looking at the confusion of the marine species there. Yeah, marine like what? what okay. So very confusing. And then um, Sun Life Stadium, which is a bank, which is not very intimidating or have nothing to do with <laughs> South Florida. But I think they've, uh, all honesty, I think they nailed it with Hard Rock. Like Hard Rock, the Seminole Indians down here with all the casinos and everything, kind of got that ambiance. It's it's nice, and especially all the new uh, advancements they made. The stadium's beautiful. I probably wouldn't recognize the stadium now. Uh, I'm sure they had cold, uh, hot and cold running water when I when I covered it. <laughs> and then, so, but everything was brand new. So, uh, but FAU is in Boca Raton, which is an affluent part of South Florida, and uh, and they are going to that program. Tell me if I'm wrong. Was started by Howard Schnellenberger, who was one of the great names and and uh, impactful coaches in college football history. Uh, you know, not only uh, people may know him as the guy who got the football program started at FAU, but they'll know him from Louisville. They'll know him. He was an assistant to uh, Bear Bryant way back in the day. Uh, he, but he's been successful everywhere he's been, and he passed away earlier this year, I believe. Yeah, uh, Schnellenberger is a South Florida icon. I mean, helping establish Florida Atlantic as that program. I mean, being part of the undefeated 1972 coaching staff with Don Shula, and then even accomplishing helping the Miami Hurricanes win their first national championship in 1983. Right. Just such a South Florida icon. I mean, we lost uh, Don Shula not too long ago. Uh, I think like an early like a year ago, two, mm-hmm. two year or two ago. So just the combination of the two, it's just been it's like a little weird not having these Florida icons in right. this football anymore. They were just always around. I mean, Don Shula has the, the characteristic chin uh, <laughs> and the jutting chin. The very I, I, like I said, he's, and then Schnellberg had the big bushy mustache, right? A big bushy like mustache. You, it looked like he wanted to sell you pipe, his car. The the corn pipe and everything, and he <laughs> it was just such a such a look and everything for Schnellenberger. <laughs> and that's a good transition. So that look is on a logo, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be honoring uh, Schnellenberger uh, this year on the back of the helmets, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and if I'm, they're doing something more too uh, at the home game at the at this home game, they're honoring yeah, this him. This is the, the first home game, right? For, because yeah, they were in the, Gainesville last week. Yeah, they're in Gainesville. So if I'm not mistaken, they're doing some type of uh, tribute to Schellenberger at this game. Yeah. So and this is also maybe full capacity, too. Right. Is that the, the idea? It's it, we're there's I, I know they're hopeful for it. I know there's no restrictions or anything like that. No so restrictions. And, yeah, and then no I restric- heard something about a, a cereal. Do you know about the cereal thing? Cereal. Okay, we'll, we'll check into it. But apparently if you buy a box of cereal and bring it to the game, not not only maybe just <laughs> donating but uh, you can actually get in uh, for very little price. Uh, admissions. Oh, so they're going to really have a boost to attendance. Promotion. Yeah, promotion to make it almost free to get. Well, the price of a box of cereal depends which ones you get. It may be I want to name a brand. <laughs> Some are more expensive than others. So um, anyway, so it looks like Florida Atlantic is really gearing up for a real season without limitations. Let's bring it like like you said before, earlier in our podcast that last year was kind of a mulligan. Because, you know, I mean, they had so many of their early games canceled or postponed, right? I mean, it was game after game after game. It's really tough to get going. And then the amazing thing is that they won, I think, five of the first six. And then Georgia Southern put in, put an end to that streak. And then they played some tough games, uh, including the bowl game. Um, so what is, what is Florida Atlantic saying about Georgia Southern? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give my theory here in a minute. But what are you hearing from uh, Boca Raton about we're playing this team from Statesboro and we played them last year. So we kind of got a taste for what it is. 
what are they expecting and, and kind of what's the strategy? Yeah, you know, Taggart emphasized it already on Monday. So, you know, no sulking over the Gators, turning onto the page and concentrating on, you know, the Eagles. Um, he mentioned running the ball in, or I mean, defending running the ball for you folks. I mean, running over, running over the ball 60 times, especially with that option that you guys run. Um, he was mentioning discipline, responsibilities, uh, mm -hmm. to quote him, how they need to line up the correct way, just doing the basics. Because that's what's going to take to if mm -hmm. the Owls are going to beat the Eagles, they're going to have to try to stop <laughs> your rushing game. And that's a daunting task in itself right there. You guys got you guys got some players, some dogs. Oh, you're throwing dogs now in with the birds. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there are too many headline writers are going to miss the opportunity of Owls versus Eagles. I don't know in, in the natural uh, wildlife who wins that one. Um, I'm going to say uh, eagles, and 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 uh, the bald eagle maybe could, has the advantages over an eagle, an owl. But maybe I only know the owl from the Tootsie Roll commercials, so I, he's a little maybe he's not in the best of shape, uh, like a lot of us. So um, the uh, the 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 thing uh, I I have this theory that when teams have only a, a week, uh, I know I mean I'm, I'm going to add to this, but they have a week between playing Florida in this case, and then you got a, a – is it FIU next week or another Air Force is coming I think, up? I don't think FIU is next. i got to check. Their, I think it's but, Air Force, yeah. Or Air Fort, Fordham. Fordham. Fordham is next. You're right. Fordham is next. Air but Force. It, in the weeks ahead, Air Force, which runs a variation of a heavy run first offense, and then, uh, of course, you have your big uh, Don Shula Bowl against FIU, and I'm sure that will be well attended. Uh, the the um, But – when you have only a short time to 100% focus on the opponent that has an offense like Georgia Southern has, I think that's a distinct disadvantage, kind of what the advantage, why a lot of, but there's only a few teams that still have this, this uh, run option, a run, triple option that's so run heavy. Uh, when teams have the whole summer to get ready for the Florida Gators, I know they're not spending the whole summer getting ready for the Florida Gators. They've spent time, maybe since last spring, like, hey, we play the second week of the season. We're scheduled to play George Southern. Let's dedicate some hours here in the spring, some hours uh, once they can have fall camp, and let's prepare for this option because we don't we're not being able to squeeze it all in in two or three days, uh, you know, after Labor Day. So um, I think I think they've probably been preparing for it more than I know, but it's still difficult. Like you said, you've really got to you hold your lanes. You gotta you gotta do your job and not kind of get sucked in too much. Uh, and uh, really, like you said, keep your eyes, uh, your head on a swivel, and keep your eyes on on where you need to be because you have to let your teammate make that tackle to the perimeter, right? If you're if you're chasing too much, the quarterback keeps it, and he's got a hole, he's got a crease. If you're if where you should have been, if you're the defensive lineman or maybe the linebacker, so if there's a lot of split second decision making, and um, it's not like Georgia Southern's a piece of cake. Uh, is going to have a, a defense is going to have an easy time either. So both of these offenses are challenging. But uh, like you said, and we can we can talk about it now. The Georgia Southern in their first game they played Gardner Webb, which is uh, an FCS school from uh, Bowling Springs, North Carolina, and it's it was seemed like a, a kind of a, a well designed uh, program to open the season with because Georgia Southern, you know, your first game you got to get the kinks out. Uh, and uh, you don't you know there's a lot of time management and and position and you know just uh, just the game flow stuff, you want to work all that ahead of time, but this is real-time, under-the-lights kind of stuff. So the first opponent, if you're Georgia, you play Clemson. 
but most people don't open with a, a, a top five team. They open with a team where they can get the kinks out. And to add another layer to this, and this is something that still applies to the FAU game, the presumed starter for Georgia Southern uh, was going to be Justin Tomlin, who's a retreat junior right now. And he, start, he started four games in his career uh, in place of when Shy Wirtz, who was the four-year starter, was unavailable either through injury or for other circumstances. Uh, Justin Tomlin went in, did a very solid job. Uh, he's appeared in 15 games, you know, coming off the bench, and including the four starts. And uh, he looked like the presumed starter, but he had an academic issue, which they suspended him for the first two games, which includes the Gardner-Webb game and includes the Florida Atlantic game. So what that means is Justin Tomlin cannot return to the team until the third week, which is at Arkansas and SEC school. So uh, interesting timing there. Uh, but also a non-conference game. So really, when you think about it, not a bad situation, as bad as it could be. But you have to start somebody. So they, while still giving Justin Tomlin some reps in practice, because you got to keep him sharp, they had to pick a starter. So we, they kept it very close to the vest. You might have been following this from a distance, but it was the same thing up close. It was either going to be Cam Ransom, who's from Florida, from Sefner, Florida, Armwood High School, true freshman, big arm, can run, but he's more more known for his pass. We're not. He's been known for a lot of things. He's, he's a dual threat, but he big passing arm, uh, strong guy, big strong guy. Uh, then uh, Sam Kenderson, who's a redshirt freshman, played very little last year as a true freshman. He played four snaps, two on offense, two on special teams. Got hurt. Kind of electric runner, kind of in open space, very dangerous little guy uh, compared to Cam. I think uh, he's about five nine, but Cam's six three two fifteen. So you have a those two, and then as a wild card, Amari Jones that transferred from, from Tulane this spring as a running back, wide receiver, kick and punt returner. That's his forte. So guess where he started on Saturday against Gardner Webb? Quarterback. So they told us this could happen, and they said the reason why is because for the opening game of the season, think about it. You don't even if you don't know the names, do you put in a true freshman? Do you put in a guy that hasn't really shown yet that he uh, doesn't really have an experience uh, throwing the ball in Sam Kenderson? Or do you put in a guy who played high school quarterback at Frisco, Texas, but has been through three years at Tulane, has seen all kinds of stuff, very comfortable on the field. And because of the nature of the offense, he's not going to be asked to throw the ball out of the pocket. You know, He's not going to take three-step drops and wing it 60 yards down the field. And he didn't. He ran a very, I don't want to say managed game, but he ran a smart game. And he had some big uh, uh, big carries in the fourth quarter when they really needed it. So that's so you say, well, who's going to start against Florida Atlantic? The answer is we don't know yet. They're going to use practice this week. Yeah, you can laugh. They don't know yet. They're going to use practice this week to determine it. But the safe thing is it's going to be Amari Jones and Cam Ransom in a rotation. That's uh, from, the, from the mouth of Chad Lunsford. Uh, both quarterbacks, he said, played uh, solid game, had good games, especially since they hadn't played quarterback in a college game before. And he, he liked how they handled it. Um, yeah, neither one, uh, they didn't have a turnover. Nobody had a turnover for Georgia Southern. That was a key. Uh, now, on the other hand, Georgia Southern's been one of the top t- five teams in the country the last five years in creating turnovers. Their plus minus is way statistically an outlier. And they didn't have any turnovers last week. So if you want to look for something Saturday, that they're going to really hope to see happen from a Georgia Southern point of view is turnovers. And you saw how that was reversed last year at the, when Florida Atlantic had the turnovers 
it really cost them any kind of comeback ability. They didn't. They never really got into you know one or two scores. Once you got to the late parts of the game, they, they were too far behind, and they just had to throw the ball. And they actually they made a coaching a quarterback switch from Posey to Tondi, was it? Um, yeah, Nick Tronti. Yeah, Tronti. So uh, this year may not come to that, but um, anyway, the uh, Georgia Southern in the opening game. Like you said, they ran the ball uh, heavily. They ran. They, one of the goals this season is more of a change of pace in the tempo. So sometimes it's more of a hurry up. Sometimes it's more deliberate. But it keeps the defense off balance. They're not purely a hurry up. They're not purely the deliberate. They're just changing. And they were able to get, run a lot more plays. They were actually ran so many plays that they were wondering if they were a little uh, out of gas by the end of the game. I mean, this is their words. And they... What he said, uh, Coach uh, Chad Lunsford said yesterday, Monday, was that he looked at the tape and he wouldn't. Now he wouldn't say they were out of gas. He just thought he thought the effort was there. They just didn't execute uh, as well as they they hoped to, and uh, you know they had a couple breakdowns. And uh, for the for and this is something Florida Atlanta could look for. The big one of the big breakdowns, and this could happen to any team, is was on big pass plays for Gardner Webb. That's how they were able to stay in it. They hung around and hung around because they had 40-yard big uh, explosive plays, big chunks of yards out of, you know, they'd be a first down and 10, second down and nine, third third down, 40 yards, you know, just just kind of like, uh, and they had a trick play uh, where a, a wide receiver took a lateral and then threw it for a touchdown, and that uh, that brought um, Gardner-Webb back into it again, so uh, Georgia Southern is going to be looking to cut down on the big plays from a defensive secondary point of view. What Chad Lunsford said was uh, dirty eyes. Instead of having clear eyes and see what's actually going on, kind of misreading the play, either uh, being tricked on a trick play or a double move. The, the first big touchdown pass from the quarterback, Bailey Fisher, was a double move where the, the uh, defensive back bit on the first move and then he got, you know, then the wide receiver was behind him. And then it was too late. So uh, just like that, it only takes a few seconds uh, for a team to get burned. And does have you seen Florida Atlantic has that capability where they they can throw short, medium, and long range passes? I know it was hard to tell based on <clears> one. Yeah, I mean, mentioning like especially with Nikosi Perry. I mean, we saw that when he was at Miami. He has the ability to go long. He has the ability to go uh, uh, middle. Um, it really, in my opinion, it matters on FAU's playmakers if they can do that. I mentioned Brandon Robinson earlier. And other than that, I feel like it's a very unproven wide receiver room along with just skill sets as a, as a whole. So I, I know Nikosi can get the ball down the field. It's just who's going to help him make the play to get down to the field. And they made, they were making a lot of mistakes early on in the game expect or throughout the entire game for three quarters until they finally were able to score the two touchdowns at the end. Um, so I don't know. I don't want to say yes or no to that because it really, it's such an unknown so far. Perry can do it. Can the team do it? I don't know if the team can do it. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're running out of time here. Yeah, Brett, you've been great. I want to give you one last comment. What do you expect to see happen on Saturday? Yeah, I actually expect a very low scoring game. Kind of like we were mentioning, um, FAU's offense is just really not getting together. Hopefully they can this week, um, especially a lot of running. I think they're going to try to um, reciprocate the rushing attack. It's going to be a fast-moving game. Um, mm-hmm. I think FAU will win. Um, 
That's just my opinion. <laughs> but take that with a grain of salt. That means I, I will. I will. I understand your position. Uh, but but literally just seeing seeing uh, when you're when you're up close, seeing a team, you see their 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 blem their warts and all. You see the good stuff and you see the bad stuff, and then you kind of see what what uh, what rises to the top. And and right now you you think the on this Saturday they'll be more good than bad enough to win. Definitely. And I think uh, another thing that you mentioned was they're still on a losing streak going into going from last year. So I, I think there there is kind of like this mentality of like we haven't won a game in a while. Like I know there's kind of like a cliche around that, but you know, there's positives and negatives you took away from the Florida game and you're going into this uh, Georgia Southern game. Willie Taggart needs to get another win. So I think I definitely think FAU uh, they kind of have a little bit of a pressure on their on this on their end this game. Okay, I'm going to be brief. Uh, maybe I, I'm saved by the bell here, but Georgia Southern played uh, way too close of a game last week for expectations. Like they got a real scare at the end. They seemed to be like, like on the right on the verge of just being in control, and they played a good first half. They're up 20 to six. Uh, really solid first half. Second half, they got outscored 19 to 10. And I know these are literal things, but the coach has har- been harping this week since Saturday night. The players too. They're like. This game wasn't up to our standards. This was, uh, you know, you come that close to um, perhaps losing a, a, a few plays, a couple series go go the other way. So that would have been, um, it's actually kind of the way they were living last year, too. A lot of close games. They beat who they were supposed to beat. They lost who they were supposed to lose to on paper. But the close games kind of bounced out. They, they won some close games against lesser opponents. They lost some close games against some very good opponents that they wish they could have had back one or two plays against Army, or ranked Louisiana team, they're, they're, they got eight, they got 10 wins instead of eight. They got maybe 11 wins, or maybe they only got six or seven, depending on about. Okay, so I think they're going to be hyper-focused this week, and it is a road game, so there's the disadvantage there. But I think they're re- if, they, if, they're, if they're up to it, if they can fill it, they're going to really be sharper, a lot sharper for, Georgia, for Florida Atlantic than maybe they would have been if they had a big blowout win, which is what they were hoping for, not expecting, but hoping for. So... On that note, we're going to see what happens. I, I I don't I think if they play like they did last week, I think they're they're going to have a real tough task. And on paper, Florida Atlantic will be challenging. Um, and like what you what we saw against uh, uh, Florida, I think they've got the the talent to make a challenging game. We just I just don't know who's going to make more mistakes, who's going to make the big plays, whether it's a big chunk play or a special teams play like last year when they played. They had a punt return uh, for the first touchdown. It was a relatively low scoring game. So. I think you might be right there if the Georgia Southern offense and the running attack, a lot of long drives to take a while. If there's not a lot of quick hitters, uh, some break, uh, some home run plays, then it is going to be low scoring and it's going to be tight. And that's we'll leave it at that. Brett, uh, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Hopefully, uh, if they play again next year, we'll have you back. We might have you back anyway. I'll double your pay. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. This was an honor. I very much appreciate the time. It was great well, speaking to football again. <laughs> yeah, great. That's that's so true. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to the show. hope uh, you uh, come back next week when they we talk about the Arkansas game and the quarterback situation, no doubt. So, everybody, thanks very much. Have a great uh, day, and, and uh, we'll, we'll see you Saturday. Thanks very much. Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Ow!
fast swings. Oh! 